Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. From Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, listen for the word of God. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely have been reconciled. Having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This text in Romans is frequently quoted in Christian circles, at least the first part. I read from this text from Romans recently in the Thursday morning women's Bible study. We're studying um, Adam Hamilton's book, Unafraid. It's a wonderful devotional book, by the way. And this scripture came up. This text from Romans can be a powerful source of comfort when you are in a period of struggle and in times of great pain. It has been for me. Whenever suffering, whatever suffering I may be experiencing, this text gives me hope that the suffering will not be in vain, nor will it overcome me. It has a purpose. But don't get me wrong, this text does not sanction suffering. 
I know there are some people in history and maybe even today who have taken this passage to mean that suffering is a good thing and therefore we have to suffer to gain a kind of moral perfection of character as a kind of predict prescriptive muscle building moral exercise or something. That's abusive and it's a wrong reading of the text. Paul's message here is observational. You can find individuals in the world whose trials in life have made them a stronger person. Those of you who have suffered and come through it may feel stronger because of it. Knowing that God has suffered too, as was shown to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, may give you a huge sense of comfort. Knowing that you are not alone can bring peace. Enduring can result in a kind of toughness and hope for eternal realities. In this regard, the passage is hopeful. When you are in a place of struggle, you need hope. But this passage from Romans is so much more than an individual source of comfort. It's about reconciliation for the world, specifically God's reconciliation with a world that doesn't seem to understand how much the Creator yearns to love the creation. Reconciled. We are reconciled. We are reconciled to God in Jesus Christ, says Paul. He declares this many places in the New Testament in his letters. The idea of re reconciliation, though not maybe said as in the word reconciliation, the thought, the ideas are seeded throughout the Hebrew scriptures as well. Being reconciled is not a political or social fad. Being reconciled is our Christian identity. And reconciliation is our purpose as followers of Jesus Christ. In 1967, I was four years old. That year, the United Presbyterian Church in the United States of America declared its awareness and affirmation of the need for unity within the church and the need to do a better job of showing Christ's message of reconciliation to the world because the world needed it. The UPCUSA wrote the Confession of 1967 to guide the church as it faced these societal challenges. The Vietnam War, the heightened tensions in civil rights concerns and brutal clashes between peoples in the efforts to dismantle racism in the United States, such as in Selma, Alabama. The church had a message of reconciliation to share in those chaotic, divided times. The church claimed racism was an evil force in the world and should not be allowed to continue. And so the church went to work. And if you read history, you know many resisted. The UPC USA joined with the PCUS in 1983 to become the PCUSA. I was in seminary. It worked hard to reconcile racial divides within its own ranks, even though the reunion was not perfect. Some churches split off 
from one solid piece of stone, indivisible, uniform, but we were faithful to our calling of reconciliation. The Confession of 1967 in the PCUSA Book of Confessions describes who we are in the world. It is uncomfortable at times. Sometimes we are as reconciled, we who, sometimes who we are as reconciled leads us to broken and controversial places, which our own Compassion, Peace, and Justice ministry team can attest, having recently studied racism, prison ministry, and ways of better, un <laughs> ways of better relationships with our LGBTQAI plus community. Or, as our Cuban partners may attest, having fearfully stepped onto a plane for the first time, going to a country that our own government has restrictions upon. But because God in Christ suffered with us, we know we can suffer through this kind of discomfort and have hope that there will be a better world tomorrow. This is the message of the church in which I have lived my whole life. I treasure it. I bet you haven't read the Confession of 1967 lately. It is in our book of confessions. Unless by some chance you've picked it up as a devotional study during this Lenten season, I have known people that have done that. It's really quite interesting. In 2020, the church created an inclusive version. We are reformed and always reforming. But listen to what it says about the church's mission. To be reconciled to God is to be sent into the world as God's reconciling community. The life, death, resurrection, and promised coming of Jesus Christ has set the pattern for the church's mission. His human life involves the church in the common life of all people. His service to men and women commits the church to work for every form of human well-being. His suffering makes the church sensitive to all human suffering so that it sees the face of Christ in the face of persons in every kind of need. His crucifixion discloses to the church God's judgment on the inhumanity that marks human relations and the awful consequences of the church's own complicity and injustice. In the power of the risen Christ and the hope of his coming, the church sees the promise of God's renewal of human life in society and of God's victory over all wrong. The church follows this pattern Jesus' pattern, in the form of its life and in the method of its action. So to live and to serve is to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. You get it. It's a step on a walk that is much bigger than an individual's walk. It involves all of humanity. So in my lifetime, Reconciliation has been the key message of the church and a positive message that as we proclaim it in our own brokenness is reformed and always reforming, 
reconciled and continuing to reconcile. Somewhere in the last few years of reconciliation, the idea of reconciliation has been taken out of Christian context and applied to psychology, social reform, and politics. In fact, this is what happens when the good news is proclaimed. People examine their own spheres and apply what is good and just and true. Just because they claim to be Christian does not mean God and Christ is not at work. Just because they claim to be atheist or a-religious does not mean God and Christ is not at work. God is at work. You may hear this term reconciliation discussed in psychological circles. There is research, scientific research, that is done on forgiveness. And reconciliation is studied in marriage and family therapy labs by such names as Julian John Gottman and Everett Worthington and John Paul Lauterach. Forgiveness and reconciliation are often seen as two parts to the process of healing. Forgiveness is the letting go of an emotional power that the perpetrator has over the victim, and it is the victim who has the power to forgive. Forgiveness can take place without two parties present, such as if the perpetrator has died or is unwilling to repent for the harm that's done. But reconciliation is the willingness of both parties to remove the divide that has occurred. Sometimes the decision is made not to forgive or not to reconcile because it's not safe or unity is just not desired. Everett Worthington says, reconciliation is restoring trust in a relationship in which trust has been damaged. There are processes, steps, decisions, discussions, and a lot of work. It's not an overnight thing. John Paul Lederach says, you cannot build a bridge by starting in the middle. Bridge builders begin from the side they are on. Reconciliation is a strengthening of these foundations and building step by step from the two pillars over the creek to join in the center. Reconciliation is not a political, liberal, social agenda, but it affects all those areas for sure. Those are the areas that the Christian is called to step into. They are human spheres and Christ worked in human spheres. So this morning I preached the message of reconciliation. You and I are reconciled. Yet I should not be the one preaching this sermon to you. It should be Reverend Dr. Daniel Izquierdo, pastor of our sister church in Luiano, Havana, Cuba. His lifetime exploration on this subject of reconciliation can be found in his book recently published in English called The Great Message. I was going to have a copy here to show you, but I left it in my office. You can come by and look at it if you want. It's a wide-reaching and in-depth biblical and theological analysis of reconciliation, analyzing much more scripture than this text from Romans. It's academic, but profound. 
His not being here in the pulpit is a huge example of why the message of reconciliation still needs to be proclaimed in our lifetime. He is in Cuba. Because of the political and structural divisions between our two governments, it is nearly impossible for them to travel to us. It is easier for us to go there than it is for them to come here. Because of the special religious visas that we have, we can do that. We have more money, more power to, the, to reach out to them. This reality represents this other kind of disunity in our world. Reconciliation is not just for individual and personal spiritual realities, but it is one of structural and public realities. Five of us will be going to Luyano in April, on April 20th. Our trip is a form of reconciliation, of bringing together sisters who are separated by enmity, enmity though the enmity doesn't exist between us individually. Coming together affirms our hermanamiento, our twinship. We are family. We are sisters and brothers. Symbolically, our visit is huge. It is a physical proclamation that although our political realms may be damaged, Christ's love unites us. Our physical coming together connects threads. It strengthens the body of Christ. It builds up the foundations. It lays down planks. It moves us toward a shared center. It surrounds enmity with a web of peace. Metaphors of reconciliation abound. It is the great message of the church. We preach Christ reconciled. And when we find ourselves separated by powers beyond our control, we remember, yes, we are comforted that God has already removed the real barriers. God has already shown us what we can do. We love no matter what, just like Jesus did. To God be the glory. Amen. Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week. Thank you.